You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassarin Securities in Johannesburg. David, actually, you retweeted a tweet of mine, or you liked a tweet of mine, or an X of mine, as it's now called, about the BBC correspondent who yes. had, and I think his name's Andrew Harding, I can't quite remember, mm. but anyway, he'd left Johannesburg, and he said some nice things about it, but also some very pithy things about it as well, yeah. some realities oh. from someone who is looking at Johannesburg and South Africa from the outside in and also having been in it as well if you see my rather clumsy explanation mm. but it was a good article i thought it was it was balanced you know he i think he was very sorry to leave south africa um the people of south africa their resilience friendliness and and i'm i'm using my own words but i know what he's getting at uh but on the other hand you've got the complete destruction of uh, institutions you know that he talks about um, and so it's it, at the end i think the conclusion is that um uh, south africans have always been hardy and and fighters you know we'll get over this or it'll come right yeah and i think his conclusion is no <laughs> you know basically not going to happen um uh, under 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 the current circumstances, and uh, and I think that's that's a danger. You know, one can be, you can go out on the weekend. We had a lovely weekend here. I went to watch my grandchildren playing football. You know, and there's nothing nicer than nine-year-olds and just having a full go on the team. You know, it was sweet. Yeah. And and you go out and you know that's that's Joburg life and everything. But at the end. Um, you can't rely on these pockets. You know, do, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Is yeah. it's all very well to say this is a wonderful place. No, it's not. You know, there's a lot to be done. And uh, when you look at the the, um, I have at the moment, I'll tell you, I've got a problem. Is that my I I, I spent a lot of money on inverters, and those inverters. Just um, explain what just an inverter is for people from the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's an energy know, so backup, got in other words. An energy backup, yeah. But it's, you, it's not a generator because I'm in an apartment building. I'm in a block of flats, so you can't put a generator here. The, the, the apartment hasn't got – the apartment block hasn't got a generator. So I have to take care of myself. But what it does is it drives the lights and it drives the um, – it, it drives my internet so I can work at home. And what happened is that the, the level of, of um, load shedding that we had of power cuts – uh the, the the system couldn't cope you know it needs to regenerate itself it's like it's like using your car battery to drive to uh, the coast or something you know eventually you've got to recharge it or you you just wear it out you know it's not designed for that and that's exactly what uh, um you know i it, in fact it's a very good analogy because the your car battery is there just to kick start the motor and, uh, you know, to give it that little bit of energy when you need it and yes. so on. But uh, you can't rely on your car battery, and that's what these systems are worth. So the kind of load shedding that we've had just um, completely, not destroyed it, but just drew so much power that they're having trouble um, recharging the batteries, and I might have to replace the batteries after just over a year. This should last five years plus. But the point, Lindsay, that I'm getting at is that suddenly I'm talking to you now and I'm not sure whether there's load shedding. I see it's at 8 o'clock tonight or something, but I thought it might come earlier. If I have load shedding now with the inverters, I'm finished. You know, for two hours, 
I'm out. <laughs> I can't do anything more. Two and a half hours. I can't uh, conduct my business. I have to close doors. And and that's, you know, we're still going through that. We're still going through so much of that. And I'm in a fortunate position that I do have inverters. Not everybody can afford them. You know, it's not, it, it's, it's an expensive backup system, but I have to have it. And a lot of people have got it. They're using solar power. So I think these are the issues he was, he was uh, referring to. He was referring to, you know, the complete breakdown of, uh, of infrastructure. So I, I thought he was balanced. I think there's a sadness after 15 years of leaving friends. But on the other hand, it's what, uh, uh, where are we going, I think, that, that I find disturbing. I find it not, not disturbing. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't find it offensive either. I think it's head in the sand sort of stuff. When certain people, certain yeah. commentators that yeah. I speak to all the time, yeah. they say things like, yeah. Africa's not for sissies. Why isn't it for sissies? No. Because it doesn't work. And the other thing is, mm, people mm. say to me, and you, you know the person I'm talking about, but we won't no. mention his name, we've been through it all before and we will get no. over it again. Why do you need to get over it? No. Fix it so no. there's nothing to get over. No. Africa's not for sissies. Please do me a favour. No. Come that's, on. That's the point he was making. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the exact point um, that he was making. In other words, that... We keep falling back and saying, oh, you know, it's not for sisters, we'll get over it. And he doesn't believe um, that we've got the resilience. You know, eventually that resilience is going to give way and it will fall apart. And I think that's his fear. So it was a, it, it, it was a very sympathetic article. It was, uh, um, I think, you know, very well written. And uh, um, what's the word? You know, it, it, it had charm. Um, I can't explain. It wasn't, he didn't want to be critical. No. But he had to recognize what, uh, what's happening. After 15 years, I think the recognition, hold on, this is, I don't think this is where we want to be, as you say. Okay, let's look to something that's popped up. I was watching the BBC News at 6.30 this morning, the business news, and suddenly Evergrande down 80%. Yes, yes. And I, I, I looked at this and I thought, well, this is emblematic of the Chinese economy. I mean, if you have a look at the, the footage, the, the stock footage that the BBC and other channels put up of these giant anonymous concrete grey apartment blocks, almost like Stalinist Russia, and they're completely empty. And you say to yourself, they've gone too far, they've gone too fast. And it hasn't been bailed out this time by the China authorities. 80% yeah. down, David, this is one of the biggest yeah. companies yeah. in China. It's, um, again, it's emblematic of what's happening in the country. I, I, I'm just going to digress, but I'm, it's, I'm keeping subject. I'm keeping on the subject. Okay. If, you look at the, if you look at The Economist this week, uh, the current one, um, the, the the lead story, the leader is around G and what he's done, and they're putting the blame on him. Good. Uh, they they yeah yeah they put the blame on him and saying he's been very disappointing, you know, and it's his authoritarian leadership that has led to this. You know, they made the wrong decisions. Um, they tried to stimulate stimulate when things were bad, but um, the problem is it's all very well to stimulate. But uh, when things uh, go bad, you've got to come and help those people that you're forced to go out and buy. You know, they try to get the economy going. Put it this way: it's like a banker coming to you when interest rates are naught, one or two percent, and saying, "Yeah, you know, Lindsay, take borrow money, buy your motor car, buy," and then 
when rates go up to 5 and 6% and you feel the strain, they say, sorry, Lindsay, you know, it's not my fault, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, can't help you, you know. And, and that's typical of, of what happens in situations like this. I, I'm trying to explain it in very simple terms. No, it's but the old think, umbrella uh, story, isn't it? Yes, and when the, the banks are the very, umbrella. very keen to give you an umbrella when it's not raining, but when it rains, no, no umbrellas. And, and the Chinese people, Chinese investors went out and that was one of the channels that they could invest and now they're battling because the economy is not strong enough to support them, you know, or to support the buying. And uh, he's maintaining a very hard stand. Um, you know, Xi is maintaining a very hard stand. He doesn't want to uh, um, disturb his balance sheet. You know, he's very nervous about overlending and and going the Chinese way, so it, there's there's a huge amount of strain on 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 the population, and especially the property developers, whether they were reckless or not, it allowed them to do so. I think that's only one point. The property is the other. The other point is that he's completely polarized or isolated foreign investors, particularly with his very heavy stand that he took against some of the big tech companies there mm. um, who got out of hand. And suddenly, you know, you don't want to go in there because you're not quite sure what comes next. Now he's got to go on the charm of him. And, you know, he also, his whole stand against COVID, um, refusing to vaccinate, refusing to get Western help in any way, and uh, that hasn't come back correctly. So there are a whole lot of issues that have weakened that economy. And um, it's going to take time for it to... To, to turn around if it can. And now they're trying all things today. They they, they lowered uh, the security tax on transactions, you know, which is a, a trading tax. What's that going to do? Nothing. You know, yes, the market kicked up. But, I mean, there's no long-term benefit in if you reduce the trading tax. It's like reducing brokerage charges by a few points. Yes, it might have a, a one-off situation. It might, have, but, uh, you know, it might help traders a lot. But, I mean, overall, it's not going to help the Chinese economy. How important is this now, David? We're talking about internal matter now, domestic matter, because they're not international players. They build, as I said, oh. these anonymous grey tower blocks. Yeah. For, yeah. They presume the Chinese people moving from rural areas to urban areas and forging a life for themselves, mainly young people. But they've essentially they've gone bust. Now, what does that mean, not just for the Chinese economy, but for the world economy and the confidence what? in the world economy? Mm -hmm. It, it's uh, look, China for, uh, over the last decade plus has been one of the huge contributors to global growth. Yes, America's held its own. You know, we, we criticize America. We always have a go at them, uh, but uh, they might have come down for twenty. You know, it depends what measure you use, but uh, uh, twenty-eight percent of world growth to twenty-four. You know, but they're holding. Um, what what I'm trying to say is that. They've been at 24 for a decade or so. So they haven't given up ground, whereas China's gone for from 10-odd or less than 10 to 18 or wherever it is. So who's given up that eight? I think that's Europe and that might have been Japan and might have been other economies. Um, so that's how important they were. They were big, big drivers of, of the global economy. Um, they were also sponsors of... Uh, um, what's it? Their belt and braces. What? What is it called? Their belt and road. Policy. I don't know. Road and belt. Yeah, yeah you whatever know, it is. Yeah. yeah, whatever. You know, trying to develop these trade routes and uh, um, get uh, you know help countries uh, develop. Um, so they've gone out in 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 a big way to 
to also build their um, uh, you know, to, to build their uh, support, you know, to build support for the Chinese economy. Uh, you could see with even with BRICS, you know, what kind of role they're taking. So they are important. You know, they're very important. They must have contributed enormously to, um, you know, to emerging developing countries with a demand for all kinds of materials and, uh, you know, which they then manufacture or even consume direct. So you can't ignore it. And I don't think we can, you know, ignore it at our peril down the line. But they're certainly slowing down and stuttering at the moment. And uh, I think the hope is that they'll be taken over and the gap will be filled by the Indonesias and Malaysias and Philippines. They call them the ASEAN countries, ASEAN countries. Um, So I think that's where perhaps the next growth area is going to come. And don't ignore India as well. You know, who can pick that up. But China's stuttering. China is certainly, and and I think they're also, uh, they're battling. You know, they're battling to find a way out of this. I think um, there's also, the, the problem is, when you get a monopoly, a political monopoly, which Xi yeah. has instilled and engendered in China, you've got to say to yourself, have a look at, I mentioned Stalin mm. earlier on, but as soon as you get a dictator, and let's face it, yeah. Xi mm. is a sort yeah, of a... Yeah. He's a pseudo pseudo dictator. It means that you become less efficient. It's like Eskom. It's it's got a monopoly. So it can say, okay, you're David Shapiro. You live in a flat on Call It Drive opposite the Wanderers Stadium. Unfortunately, your electricity price is going to go up. Your tariff is going to go up 25% Mm. next year. No one can say anything. You can't just say, oh, well, I'll actually switch to somebody else like you can in Europe or uh, wherever it is. So I, I worry a little bit about the authoritarianism, mm. if that's a word, no. of G. It, it, it promotes inefficiency. Yeah. No, you, you're dead right. And, uh, I, you, you know, you don't know whether he's got the team behind him to help him out of this. And, and they've got deflation. They haven't got inflation. Deflation means, um, in a sense like this, where you've got a buildup of inventories, and uh, people have to get rid of it, you know, so they start selling prices down and that, that creates a downward spiral of, uh, of, you know, of lower prices. Look, they, they, they can export that. And I think they've already exported that to the rest of the world. That's why many of the goods, you know, that's, you, you, um, the inflation that we're finding at the moment is not in manufactured goods. It's more in services. Yes. Um, but... That is a big problem then. So it also gives you an idea of failing demand, you know, within uh, with the economy. The other thing is a point you brought up, or was it Viv brought up the other day, is falling population. Yes, no, I brought it up, but uh, Viv big, uh, backed big me up problem. on it. Yeah, yeah, big problem because that means that uh, down the line, uh, consumption is going to go down. You have to look after an older population. Um, you know, you haven't got. Uh, the workforce. You've got to now look for workforce if you want to grow. So it's a it's a massive problem, and they they not they they're not going to allow immigrants to come in. You know, it's not the kind of country that opens their borders to uh, uh, to people from other countries. No. So I, you know, there there are issues down the line, and and I think for the first time we're starting to see a concern about where China is going, the stuttering economy. And a lot also has to do with the, with, as you mentioned, with the kind of people that are in charge. 
Okay, let's go from the world's second largest economy at the moment anyway, to the world's biggest economy, the United States. And Jackson Hole, this is where central bankers all get together and cosy up. And I saw pictures of Christine Lagarde, the head of the ECB, with a lovely mountain backdrop and everything. <laughs> but there was too much football this weekend, David, so I didn't really no, no. read yeah, too no. much. You probably read a lot about it, but I, I didn't. I, I, you can summarise it in probably two sentences. Go on. Um, I think that uh, the, the the point is that there isn't there wasn't a suggestion that despite the resilience of the U.S. economy, that the Fed was going to raise rates. You know, in other words, there was a suggestion that things are. You know, we could look at it, but there wasn't any feeling that there was an immediate need to keep rates going up. In fact. Um, you know, you got the feeling this is they're going to hold back for quite for a bit, um, and the other feeling is that I think that um, you are going to probably see um, a sharper fall in in, in inflation, you know, um, which will probably lead to rates coming down quite significantly next year. Next year, yes, so, exactly. Next year, yes. In other words, rates will stay up. But I don't think there's going to be any dramatic rise in rates. Yes, there's always a no. threat. That's how central bankers talk, you know. It's the same as parents admonishing their children uh, about staying out too late, you know, don't stay out, whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. it's that kind of threat, you know. But um, um, you didn't get a feeling that there's going to be any immediate heights. And I think that's why the market responded. And uh, once again, bond rates are starting to come down in the U.S. I see the U.S. You know, I'm just looking at markets. England's closed today. US Ten mar- years I mean, for 22, but there's still the you know there's still markets yeah. outside of the real session. But yeah, the U.S. 10 year 422 still very elevated. Mm. But I would be buying bonds now, and I would be buying the stock market now. And I said this about a week ago to you. I said I get the feeling yeah. that the low has been put in place. It's not going to be a spiky recovery. But I do feel the low has been put in place, even though we're still 200 points below the recent peak on the S&P 500. So we've had a really big fall and people need to recover and lick their wounds. Yeah, we're we're down about three and a half, I don't know, four, but it's fine. You know, it's it's okay. I mean, considering what we've come through. Yes. Markets are holding pretty well. I'm just looking at the S and P now. It's up 0.7. That's not on bad. top of the uh, yeah, on top of the gain that it made Friday. The Nasdaq's also starting to pick up. So I think uh, you are fi- you know finding money come back in. Europe was very strong today, up almost one and a half percent, and widespread gains there you know across the whole board. So there's a better feel about markets, and we are everyone's coming back from their summer holidays, and I would expect that you're going to get uh, some pretty decent markets. Um, you're going to have the naysayers. There's still a number of people who are negative and giving you warnings, um, but I don't get a feeling that. Uh, there's going to be massive sell-off again. No. And I'm happy. I'm starting to position myself. I'm looking very carefully. I'm, I'm looking forward to ARM. You know, that's the, uh, you know. That'll be mid-September, I think, yeah. It's a, a Cambridge-based yeah, it a chip before. maker. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Fantastic it was, company. It, it was, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that because I still think that this is the area of the market that we have to focus on. And I still think what they're calling now the disruptors, you know, in other words, this move to technology in every area, 
I think uh, is going to be still going to be a very strong theme and uh, it's going to dictate. So I'm, I'm continue to position, uh, um, you know, continue to position uh, portfolios around that. I know that the PEs are high and, and so on, but, but I, I, it doesn't bother me. I just, I can't, <laughs> if I, if I don't do it now, it's like, oh, maybe it was, oh, you got to go see the price, you know. I say, well, if I don't buy now, when will I ever buy? Exactly. You know? <laughs> it never happens, Lindsay. It never gets back to that of price. Of course not. You might miss the first, you, you might lose the <laughs> 10% in the first six months, but in five years' time, because you're a long term <laughs> investor on behalf of your clients yeah. and yourself, it'll be at 50%. It's so a big deal. Stop, stop trying to time the markets. Please stop trying to time the markets. Get a good company with a good board and a dividend payer, even if it's not a dividend payer. The fact is, it's a good company yeah. and just buy the blasted thing david you said you were you know positioning yourself would you position yeah. yourself in advertech or italtile which are two companies yeah, you very, know what? very much south african companies mm. but mm. somebody said to me he said these because he's a bit arrogant and he likes to go into a big <laughs> market capitalized companies he says mm-hmm. these are hobbies not businesses and that was him, him, him being stupid, but uh, I understand what he's saying. I, I, I think Advertech's a very good company. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. And, and the results are outstanding. And all it is, it's an area of the market that people are prepared to pay for education. Parents will pay anything to educate their children. And Advertech, I think, has, uh, has outperformed both Capitech and Stadio. You know, we, we made a lot of fuss. Here's a company that's been around for a longer time. And I think even so, we, we preferred it simply because of its consistency. I'm not attacking Cura and I'm not attacking Stadia, but I think Advertech has, has been the better investment. And, uh, you know, I worked out, I just, I took a chart out today. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's where is it? Um, over 10 years, uh, and it's had ups and downs. I think your your return has been over 12% per year. Very over good. A 10-year period. But it's, uh, if you look at the chart, you wouldn't think that because it's gone flying up, flying down, and flying up again, uh, which has been uh, really symptomatic of the market here. You know, I'm talking about the crash that we saw in 2020 with COVID and worries around that. But it's recovered all of that, and it's just off its, um, you know, the kind of peak that we saw um, a few years ago. So a very good business. It'll tile suffering because of the South African uh, economy. Also another great business, but uh, things are tough. People are, haven't got the money. They're not buying on houses. They're not renovating. But uh, th- this company is still holding its own. Okay, David, on a quiet day, because it's a bank holiday in the United Kingdom, we've probably got very, very low volume. You'll probably tell me it's now about $7.5 billion with, on my watch here, Half an hour go to the conclusion of the auction, which will take it up to probably 14, 15 billion. Yeah. But very, very quiet stuff, although on an unusual day because of the we're, holiday. We're, we're, at, we're round about just over eight and a half billion. Uh, there we go. But you have to look at the composition of that. 35% of that is last person process. So, yes. you know, if you take that away, there's mm, nothing. No. You know, and that's that, a lot of that is around, around buybacks. Uh, balancing. I don't know where the volumes come, but it's it's two and a half, two two and a quarter billion is last burst at the moment. Process is seven hundred thousand, but I think a lot has to do with their involvement in buying back shares 
And, you know, that in itself stimulates trade. So there's probably a bit of double counting along the way. But uh, you, you take nice person process and I think you'd find this, the, the numbers pretty low. And you, you've also got to remember, you know, what I look at is that, that uh, these trades are done at very low brokerage. You know, because they buybacks, you're probably the old-fashioned stockbrokers that we once were, where we used to charge, I think, 2%. 0.85%, yeah, whatever, it, <laughs> whatever was. it was. yeah. Those are long gone. No, no, no. You get a few pips now. <laughs> so it, 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 it's hard. You know, if you're not advising, if you're not charging for your advice, you're not managing, uh, if you're not managing people's money, it's, uh, it must be very difficult to make a living. You know, if you're a pension fund, you've got your own money, so you know you you, you employ your own analysts and so on. But uh, as a middleman, I think it's it's extremely difficult in in uh, you know in South Africa. Okay, let's, let's move on to more serious matters now, and that's football. Yes. There were two games, mm. both of which were mm. the home side scoring three goals, the away side scoring four goals. The first one was my beloved Ipswich Town. They went <laughs> when they up off to five minutes. They were three one down nine minutes later, and they got one back to three two. Then Leeds scored, and it was. 4-2 and then Ipswich scored at the end 4-3 really really good game but a wake up for me and on a Sunday morning I haven't woken up on a Sunday morning since January of this year to find an Ipswich defeat because they'd gone 22 games without mm. losing so I was sad about that but mm. it's a good they must grow up and get used to being in this higher division the other one was yeah. uh, Barcelona Villarreal the uh, so called yellow submarine because they wear yellow Barcelona were 2-0 up within 20 minutes or so then Villarreal went 3-2 up in the second half and then Barcelona scored two to win 4-3. So they were incredible games. The one thing that disturbed me a little bit was the Arsenal game because I don't mm, think mm. Arsenal are the real deal this season. They, no, I mean, no, Piers Morgan, no, who's a fanatical no. Arsenal supporter, well, you're yeah. not fanatical, but you're a supporter, but he said, yeah. why is he tinkering? Why is Arteta yeah, yeah, tinkering yeah. with the team all the time to accommodate yeah. Harvards and the, and the new people? Just get oh. on with what you did last season. And they yeah. drew two all, he's, for goodness so sake. He's got some good players there on the bench, uh, chaps like Smith Rowe, um, who, who, whom he's not using. Um, he's got this three at the back instead of the normal four at the back, uh, which is awful. So here Gabriel is, is sitting on the bench. He's mad. You know, I, I just think it's a, it's a mess. And they didn't look anything like – he says they're ten times better than they were last year. No, I disagree. Kevin. Forget it. I, you know, you looked at them. You said, "Oh my God!" You know, you just, you just said, "This is memories of kind of the last part of last season and them forever." You know, just, just, just not getting it together. Thank goodness for Rice. That's all I can say. Rice uh, came to the rescue and they brought on Vieira as well, who, who also just brought a little bit of energy. But uh, uh, they've got uh, Heisu back. Uh, Jay Subak, you know, yes. probably next week in the centre, although Nketi has been okay. But they were very, very disappointing. I and so a soft goal, 10 men, 10 men on the field against, uh, uh, you've got the advantage, no marking in the box, that's it, finished. Yeah. I, anyway. Anyway, the other one but that really… I must, I must say… Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. You can. No, you're talking to Liverpool. Yeah, the Liverpool game. I'm Brilliant. so pleased… I mean, I, no, I don't particularly brilliant. like Liverpool, but I do. No. And I like Eddie Howe, the manager of Newcastle. No. And some of the players are good, like Trippier. He's an honest, decent, hardworking player. No. But the Saudi money really, really annoys no. me. And them sitting no. in the stands with their billions, and they lost no. 
to a 10-man Liverpool team in yep. the last 10 minutes. And I was yeah. thrilled by that. I don't know about you. Mm. Mm. No. I, I just, from a spectacle, I loved it. You mm. know, that you had a 10-man team that came back and won 2-1. Uh, because there's nothing worse. I can't stand it when someone gets sent off and you say, oh, no, you know, from a spectator point of view, you're killing it for us. Not that he shouldn't have been sent off. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it know, was marginal. Wasn't a scaring, it was, whatever. It was you know, marginal. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that. And uh, could have been a yellow card and free kick, whatever it was. I'm not the ref, but uh, the fact that they came back like they did was was quite remarkable. Very, very and, good. Uh, that Nunez is, a, is, a, is a Nunez but, is but amazing, he, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he was, he's flamboyant. He, he's got character. He's great. Well, he's lost his place to uh, Diaz, you know, who's a, who's a super player as well, who they mm. had to take off. Anyway, but it, I'm, I, I say I'm not a Liverpool man, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that they won, you know, because it's like one of those moments. But I have to tell you, and I tweeted this. Yes. Did you see during the celebrations, you know, everybody was celebrating and Klopp went to his physio, this little, you know, this lady and something, and he picked her up and I said, do not kiss her. No, don't, don't kiss her. Kiss her. <laughs> Learn from the Spanish. You know I, mean? I just say, don't, don't, don't. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and I thought, hold on a sec. He was so, you know, he was so animated. He was so happy. He just saw her and she's tiny, so he had to pick her up. You know, he can't bend down. And then I thought he, th he thought, okay, listen, I better go pick up some of the other chips as well. He went down to quite a well. Yeah, that whole Spanish story uh, is, is fascinating. Uh, it was very inappropriate of him. He was standing no, next to the I king know, and queen of Spain and he I grabbed know, his I groin know, and know, then he I kissed know, someone on the lips. No, really, he should no, be. No, he, no, no, I'm not, I agree I'm not defending with, it because. No, you mustn't defend it. It's, it, no, was, it was I, completely <laughs> inappropriate. But anyway. No, but, I thought, but I thought, don't go for Klopp. You know, this is. This is genuine. I mean, he was so happy. I don't know. Just, just, don't kiss just her. leave it. Especially with all don't those teeth. Her, that's all. Have you seen his teeth? <laughs> I know. He's got they've been polished. I think he's, he's, well, no, uh, he's got too many teeth. They're all implants. My brother's a dentist. And I said oh, to him, so? have yeah. a look at him. He said, yeah, it's wall-to-wall uh, -wall implants. He's got, he's got too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, David, we're getting off, off subject here. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, as always. David Shapiro is from Sassarin Securities. And that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.